Awesome. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Diverse Podcast, the number one careers podcast on the planet. I'm joined today by Sharon Frost, who's the Global HR Director at Oxford Palmer Genesis. Uh, welcome Sharon, how are you getting on? Hi Toby, I'm really good and I'm really pleased to be here today. Thank you for the invite. Fantastic. Let's dive right in. You've got a, a wealth of HR experience. I was just before this, I was diving into your LinkedIn to see a little bit more about what you've done. I completely lost count of the number of years experience you have. So really looking forward to the lessons and, and things that we can take away from, from today. Would you mind giving us a quick overview about yourself and, and your background? Yeah, of course. I mean, I've got lots of experience because, of course, I'm old. So <laughs> that's some of the reason. But um yeah, I um I went to university actually with a 99% numerate ability and was very much likely to become an accountant in my mind. Um, and I was doing a business administration degree that had all of the various aspects of business and um, fell in love with HR immediately. Um, just the diversity of, you know, two cases looking really similar, but ending up being investigated and coming out with very different outcomes. I found the level of curiosity that's required really quite enlightening and of course the opportunity to to be able to work and support people um, was something that really floated my boat too. So I have a very eclectic background in terms of industry. I started um, in supermarket retail um, with the Sainsbury's group. Um, I then moved on to entertainment distribution with EDI, um, Warner Music and Sony. So um, that was a really interesting role and lots of perks at, you know, events like, you know, MBAs and the Brits, etc. Um, and then I moved on to uh, work in private equity with private education background, um, marketing services, guardianship, and now I find myself here at Oxford Pharmagenesis. And obviously I've covered all aspects of HR and all levels of seniority. So broadly, I've been there and done it, but um, still always ever evolving and lots of opportunity to, to taste new, you know, new aspects of HR as the world of work evolves as well. So constantly interested. I'm sure you can tell I'm still very interested in my in my subject matter. Absolutely. Yeah, that passion definitely comes through. And I was going to say, I bet you've seen it all by now. But I guess when it's people, it's always changing. And, you know, there's always everyone's different, right? So you've always got new challenges and, you know, HR is ever evolving in that sense. Absolutely. I mean, we never could have predicted COVID and, and you know, what that was at the time and, and, you know, the ramifications since. But, you know, people, human beings are very complex characters and never cease to surprise us. We don't, we, you know, we never seem to cease to surprise ourselves. So why would we be surprised by others as well when we don't know as much about them? So, and, you know, constantly being challenged to make work an even better place and, you know, dovetail with life. So, you know, subject matters like EDI and well-being weren't, you know, weren't even considered when I started out in, in HR nearly 30 years ago. Um, so, you know, again, you know, quite significant changes that, that you know, challenge and, and positively stretch us HR professionals. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I want to get into that change, actually. But um, firstly, for context, for anyone who's new to hearing about Oxford Pharma, um, would you be able to give a bit of an overview, a bit of an introduction as well to the, the agency as a whole? Yeah, so um, we principally employ um, medical researchers and writers. Um, so essentially, we're trying to make 
the the kind of medical language much plainer and simpler for, uh, essentially for the patients you know um the the medical profession does have lots of complex language and um and so you know getting through the science um and and keeping it as simple as possible just unlocks it you know for for, for patient needs as well um and we do many more um many more aspects um you know there's a huge array of offerings so we actually are able to offer really wide varied careers to people that can you know if they're interested in being more creative or more data driven there's different aspects for them as well we have probably the widest expanse of um you know of opportunity for people in our sector i think I think it's really interesting medical communications it's one of those industries that I kind of stumbled into and, and discovered and, and a lot of people aren't aware that you know the we need to sort of market and communicate medical information and health related information in a certain way and it's not mm-hmm. all done by necessarily the pharmaceutical companies there's other agencies involved that are helping with with that process so if you're interested in marketing and also science and health it's a great great area to, to look into and, and not a lot of people are aware of it so that's a, maybe the first thing off the top if anyone's new to medcoms is definitely to check it out and see if it's if it's, if it's in, uh, interesting to you as well definitely I mean if you're you know if you have that science background and you don't want to be in a lab for the rest of your life we're definitely an organization to reach out to Mm, definitely and and let's let's talk a little bit more about DEI then so first of all what does DEI mean to you um individually what what do you think when you think of DEI well for me diversity in particular aligns to our long-standing company philosophy because we state that to excel as a team you need to bring out the best in each other um to communicate openly and respectfully and you know, create a supportive and diverse and rewarding workplace. And I think it's about being all inclusive in that regard. Um, And, you know, we're committed to being as inclusive as we can. So we formalised a sort of oversight committee uh, about three years ago now. And both the CEO, Chris Winchester, and myself are board sponsors to really keep it topical at the highest level in our organisation and demonstrate its significance as well. Mm, definitely and and I think lots of organizations are keen to get it right but maybe don't always know where to start and what to do and they don't want to be seen to get it wrong at all and, and they you know want to be inclusive obviously with with their practices so are there any particular strategies or tactics that you've put in place or initiatives internally that you think have have worked really well definitely and and we were certainly on that path of not wanting to get it wrong um, and not being experts and, you know, not having the confidence, et cetera. So we reached out to an external consultant initially, um, someone that could really support us on a number of projects um, because we wanted to launch something that became part of our DNA and, you know, not a one off, you know, initiative, but something that could be embedded and weaved into our overall sort of caring and nurturing culture. So she started off with a brilliant example of um, doing a listening exercise and really involving people that either had a passion, allyship or actually knowledge around EDI topics. And that helped to then create our very first EDI survey. But she ran a couple of surveys for us until we felt that we built trust you know, directly with our colleagues. She also supported us as a panellist in a diversity session with the International Society of Medical Public Professionals. 
um, and that's the ISMAP um, that's one of our industry kind of awarding bodies. But our overall approach to EDI, as she kicked off, was, you know, a listening exercise. It's continued to be very employee driven. So, you know, we have very passionate people um, that want to enact change. That's why they're at Oxford Palmogenesis, to make a difference. Um, and we want to harness that energy that they have by listening and collaborating with them, particularly on lived, you know, or sort of secondary lived experiences, if you like. And then they feed into our ideas and give feedback on our ideas as well. Um, they've also been quite passionate about making sure that anything that we do is not just internally focused, but also looking at our external efforts to affect change in the, the, the wider industry and, and community at large. And I suppose that's because that's what their day job is, that it's important to them that there is that holistic approach as well. So, yeah, we rely quite heavily on our employees to help shape things. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really important aspect. And I like what you said at the beginning, which is, you know, you really started with listening because I think mm. we have a lot of a lot of employers ask, you know, they say, yeah, well, we don't know where to start. We don't know how to ask people to get involved. We don't know how to ask for data. And, you know, the most authentic way, I think, in the beginning is to involve as many people as possible, have them as part of the decision making committee and, and you know, have the employees lead what the DEI initiatives actually are because yeah. inclusion is really about including everybody. I think mm -hmm. sometimes we think about it and we think, oh, it's about you know just ethnic diversity or, or it's just about this or it's just about that. But no, actually, it's it's about including everyone, which is mm -hmm. why, to, to your point, it needs to be embedded into the business. And we've we've perhaps spoken about this on, on a previous episode. I think it's important to to bring up. It's what we see sometimes with DEI is these very project driven approaches where it's a bit of a one off and mm -hmm. you know something happens in the news and then we do something about it or you know it's a particular month and we we just celebrate it for a month and that's it whereas we don't approach any other functions like that you know you wouldn't mm -hmm. think about HR or marketing in that way you'd have like a north star that you'd looking you'd be looking to get to and then you'd build your strategy on insights and data and and, and I like the the listening because it's not just about the quantitative data it's about having those conversations and I think sometimes as well that helps because as as you mentioned everyone is different right we can't yeah. put people in boxes so we have to listen and hear what their perspective is in order to decide the best way forward I think and for you have you I think a lot of employers obviously well there's varying ranges I think in terms of the employers that we talk to in terms of where they're at with their journey and what they want to accomplish for some there's still a question around you know the need to focus on DNI and you know what the results will be so for you do you have a view to why you think this is really important and what you think the positive outcomes are when you focus on both diversity and, and equity and inclusion well I, I just think it's that sense of belonging and everyone feeling like they've got their part to play um, you know, I always think about that. We, we don't know if it's true or not, but that conversation about, you know, some important person asking a cleaner at NASA what they were doing. And they said, well, I'm putting a man on the moon. And, you know, our teamwork for me, we all have an equal part to play. You know, I constantly talk about you can't drive a car without oil in the engine. It's not about, you know, Hamilton at the at the helm of the wheel, et cetera. And, and I think, you know, creating that environment um, needs to be one that's well informed um, and it like you said it's not a one-off project it becomes part and parcel of the way we do things and it's cultural and you know that has to be authentic and, and lived and breathed every day 
Um, and you can only do that if you really do listen and hear and understand the different perspectives. Again, you know, my example of why I got into HR, you know, you can look at two, you know, potential disciplinaries and end up with different results. Well, you can hear two, you know, people with a, what appears to be a similar background and then they have very different lived experiences. And, you know, we can only provide support if we've got that trusting relationship where people are prepared to share and, and help us evolve you know, our support offering to make life, you know, and work an even better place, you know, for them. And, and you know, educating ourselves and others along the way as well, because things evolve and change, um, you know, as time time goes on as well. You know, what's acceptable from a language point of view 20 years ago probably isn't now. You know, the way people talk about things and, the you know, the, how much people are pe prepared to share has also evolved. So, you know, we need to to move and educate and listen to, to, to be able to adapt to, to all of those things. Yeah, and I think it's so important to have focused on that first, because I think a lot of organisations are really thinking, OK, how do we increase diversity? How do we recruit more diverse talent? But if you don't think firstly about the inclusion, then you're going to lose a lot of that talent, even if you are able to track them. Right. Because yeah. and also I think it's, it's you're going to be able to attract more diversity if you have a more inclusive recruitment process and hiring managers understand you know the need for uh, certain initiatives and the, and the need for recruiting in a new way potentially it's different from yeah. you know previous strategies and 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 being very inclusive have, have there been any recruitment strategies that you've put in place that you think uh, are, are, are working well in terms of uh, that focus on diversity obviously we've we've been partnering together at diverse but yeah so <laughs> yeah. anything that you you'd share on, on the recruitment side of things that, that employers can take away from yeah I mean we certainly implemented some training that's also helped with education and understanding and process so that you know we're actually doing what we say we will as well so um quite a range of EDI related training resources that that are relevant so we do a bystander intervention training. We do interview awareness, um, a, a kind of classic EDI training program, and then unconscious bias for hiring managers, which is a very interactive course um, for people to really kind of do some self-reflection as well. And then also disability awareness training as well. So I think all of those things just help people see things differently. And I think most of the time it's also helping people understand just the simple, you know, keep it simple. You know, if you've just recruited, you know, if your team is 10 people and you only recruited people just like you, when you're posed with a problem, you're probably all going to think there's only one solution because you've all got the same view. Whereas if you have, you know, diverse diversity of thought and background and, you know, all those other component parts, you could have more than 10 different ideas to, to resolve that problem. And I think people are, are much more aware that, you know, like you said at the beginning, you know, diversity is so wide ranging. It's not, you know, just around one of the protected characteristics and it's actually beyond protected characteristics in you know in my view and and in the view therefore that that we operate at Oxford Pharmagenesis um obviously we have taken steps to improve recruiting um from you know a more diverse pool and 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 talent um for all of those reasons and we've as you said partnered with yourselves we're really excited about that um particularly focusing on entry level and, and graduates from minority ethnic groups, but also other underrepresented groups as well. Um, and our recruitment process has already been adapted to incorporate, you know, recruiting people with disabilities, for example, you know, guaranteeing them an interview if they 
you know, tick all the boxes on um, the essential role criteria, offering them, you know, opportunity for more accessibility through the process and making reasonable adjustments. Um, and actually, recently we were awarded um, disability confident committed employer. Um, status and we've very recently been accredited with being a menopause friendly employer as well so you know trying to appeal to you know a whole variety of different people in conjunction with our work with with you guys at Diverse. I, I love that yeah and I think you know you touched on the, the benefits there of diversity in terms of thoughts and opinions mm. and I, I had a really uh, quote that I liked that was um you know, around the, the most successful teams, the most the best ideas come at the edge of reason, which you can only get to when you have diversity and thought and opinion to to push each other. Right. Otherwise, you just end up, end up agreeing and you, you don't, you know, really push yourself to, to innovation. Yeah. So I think that's a massive benefit. And sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable to think, no, I've got to hire. So I, I should look to, to hire someone who maybe isn't from the same university as me, maybe isn't from the same mm -hmm. background who maybe I don't usually uh, hang around with. But, um, you know, there's, there's a huge amount you can learn. And I think same for the candidates as well. I think we tell them a lot of the times that they might be going into an industry that isn't very diverse, where they might not meet anyone who's from their background but there's still a hell of a lot to learn from and maybe even more to learn from people that that uh, are from very different backgrounds to you uh, as well uh, you mentioned at the beginning there the, the, the sort of change that we've seen with DNI. walk me through that because obviously I, I you know you've got a wealth of experience here the beginning uh, well towards the beginning of your career what were the conversations like around DNI, or was it not on the table at all and 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 how yeah how has that changed no, I mean, certainly, you know, years ago, it wasn't a subject, you know, that that, that was a, a matter of discussion. I think the, you know, the George Floyd um, incident um, created a dialogue at Oxford Pharmagenesis. Um, and I was very um, opinionated about making sure we did things in a particular way. Um, I was brought up with a, my elder sister was heavily disabled. And, um, and so I had quite clear views about authenticity and having some knowledge and you know doing things with good intent um but involving you know people with lived experiences etc as well um and so that's why we took you know the the more sort of cautionary approach we were very internal with our messaging around that we didn't do a big splash externally about supporting it because you know that that for me the authenticity was saying do you know what this is a wake-up call to us to say we could be better as an organisation and we want to be better to help us let's work together rather than kind of you know saying or oh, we're in support of something that's happening out there actually put you know action speak louder than words <laughs> so that's the approach that that we took yeah that's the most authentic way i think isn't it you know start by doing something and then your first step in terms of announcing your dei uh, initiatives and, and what your, your your motivations or your statement is to talk about what you've done already that's really the most i think authentic way to approach it because i think applicants and people that are looking for organizations that are committed to dei they've got past the you know the bar has been raised from just having a diversity statement you know right the bar is a lot yeah. higher than that now and i think people are very you know uh, socially conscious and aware if they don't feel that those statements are being backed up with with action and 
do you have any advice on that for for the young listeners that we we have that are interested in finding employers that are you know really focused on and committed to diversity and inclusion is there a a way I'm, I'm not sure if it's in the application process recruitment process or maybe it's questions you can ask you know when you get into the office is there any advice you have on that uh, yeah because I'm I'm really an advocate of think big but start small um, and I you know again I'm, I, I know I'm repeating it but authenticity is key and I think when you think big but start small there is there is that kind of grounding and sub substance to what you're doing so I would definitely uh, I, I would encourage candidates to ask you know, an employer to describe where they feel they're at at EDI or what their journey has been so they can get a sense of the direction of travel and, and the approach that people are taking. If if I was asked that question, I would certainly be talking about, you know, not wanting to do it wrong and getting an expert in to help us initially and listening and engaging with our people. And, you know, we we there'll be plenty of organisations in the world that have, you know, got further along the journey than us, but we're doing it at a pace that is, is right within our organisation and, and, and is working and is, you know, it's got rigour to it um, and it's, you know, digestible by everybody because we're trying to bring everyone along. It's not about, you know, supporting a particular group. It's about making sure everybody understands and learns something along the way. So, you know, sometimes it can be quite, quite small pieces of information. We do some education pieces every month and they can be quite, some of them can be quite large and some of them can be quite small but it encourages a conversation and people say next time you do that I'd be happy to help brilliant you know that's our way of kind of reaching out and connecting with some of our people to you know just constantly evolve it and as I said before this isn't a project this is part of our you know weaving it into our culture and so you know we're going to continue doing these things and you know they will get bigger and and better and you know um I think really understanding the commitment by understanding the journey that an organization has been on and, and you know its direction of travel I think will really help people get a sense of whether it it's going to be an organization that, that can work for them as well. Yeah and I think that intent is really important isn't it mm. you know having that because not because it's not it's, it's it's a constant journey I think this is something that again is a misconception about the ENI it's an ongoing thing because it's so integrated to people who as we said you know that their needs and, and people's sort of um, perspectives and everything changes year on year right so it kind of constantly evolves and we need to sort of adapt to it so it's not something that you can complete and it's there and it's done so I think candidates should also perhaps bear that in mind as well where yeah. an organization might not have it all all, all wrapped up or everything is, is perfect but they're at least have the buy-in from senior leadership and support and they're they're trying their best as well right yeah and I think you know one of the other things that I would I'd really want to to let your candidates know is that that people that haven't had it easy have actually got quite a lot to offer so you know when you're working in an organization like ours and and you're dealing with clients pharma clients <laughs> um you know, resilience is a massive skill that we need of our people. And, you know, when you've had to battle to be heard or be in a particular group um, that may not be representative of you on the face of it or what have you, um, then you've you've really got something to call upon in terms of areas like skills in resilience and such like. Um, just, call, you know, just thinking about some of the ex the experiences that I witnessed my, my sister go through. You know, she was, I was constantly saying, I wish I could be like you, you know, because she was so strong and she was, you know, 
able to handle situations that I didn't think I would be able to. Um, so just making sure that people see the strength that they have as a result of their lived experience and, and projecting that, I think, would go a long way. Um, it's, you know, the number one skill we seek out is resilience. Um, yeah. That's really powerful. That's really interesting that you you say that because I, I think a lot of people obviously don't have that experience that you had with your with your sister. Is mm -hmm. yeah, is there anything else that you learned that you would share with with anyone who perhaps doesn't have that perspective of as as, as you said of growing up with someone who has that severe disability that you that you learned that you think could be a misconception or, or just a lesson that you learned that you think is important to share. Well, one of the things that I, I love about, you know, where we're at in the world right now is that I do think people are more willing to share their lived experiences to, you know, explain kind of, you know, their background or, you know, um, and just, you know, help educate others and, and gain that kind of understanding. But as I said, you know, respecting that actually you bring a lot of skills to the table that, that people that haven't had that, you know, um, at don't. And, and they're quite often skills that, you know we're looking for because you know the world of work is in the last three or four years has changed more than in decades before it and so the skill set that we need from people now is is evolving and um and and i think remember that 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 you know there's there's some strength there um to be able to project as a result of you know of, of going through a different life experience yeah i think it's really powerful because a lot of you know, we speak to a lot of young people who've been through some really challenging things and they mm -hmm. sort of try and sweep it under the rug and try and forget about yeah. it and move on. But and they say, oh, I've got no experience. But really, they, they do have experience and they they maybe have experiences really valuable because it might not be formal formal work experience, but it might have given you, as as you said, the, the resilience, the the sort of the problem solving and, and the this sort of harden you to, to things that you know when you actually get to the corporate world might actually be a little bit easier than what you've dealt with in some ways definitely I mean you know you think about someone that comes from a low-income family background they're probably the best at keeping to budget you know so again you know you can turn something that might feel less than positive into a real positive strength that organizations are seeking out um so it's just yeah it's thinking about what what an organisation wants and how can I demonstrate I've been able to fulfil that? You might not have a worked experience of being managing a budget, but you have in your life. And if you didn't have much money, then you've done a better job than someone that, you know, where it was plentiful. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic way of looking at it. A fantastic point. Um, is, is there anything else that sort of has really surprised you. I'm just imagining you must have seen so much and heard so much in your career <laughs> in HR. Is there anything that around, you know, people that surprises you in the world of work that you think has, has really stood out over the course of your career? I mean, not really, because I'm just curious about people and I, I don't get shocked very easily. So I kind of don't go, oh, wow, that was, you know, that was a real thing. Because I just, I love learning and I love, hearing other people's stories and understanding their perspective, whether, you know, it's a different language or religion or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, and and I, you know, I think, you know, the power of, you know, multiple diverse thought, different thoughts is what gets us to goal. And, and I do truly believe that if you've not had it easy, you're probably bringing more to the table, um, you know, in terms of skill set as well. So, you know, for me, that is the number one message I want your candidates to hear that, you know, they will have some significant 
strengths above you know candidates that that have maybe had it easier so please turn some of that into you know real positive conversation in an interview situation definitely that i think that's a big takeaway for me as well so mm. you know for, for for the listeners there i think really be prideful of any experience that you do have whether it's formal or not you know if it's you know caring responsibilities if it's projects you've done in your own time I think those show some really great values that lots of employers are looking for right now. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of fantastic lessons in there. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any other advice that you'd like to leave the the, the listeners with? Um, could be yeah, just any young person out there. I mean, just for context, it's it's been a challenging year, I think, with the economy. You know, in terms of um, well, cost of living on one on one side, but also headcount in some ways and and, and opportunities there, and you know if you're a student or a graduate it's very very competitive we're doing this uh, podcast right now in September where you've got a lot of grad schemes and internships that are live they're very competitive and so when you mm-hmm. combine all of those things what what you sort of uh, you get is a lot of failed applications a lot of rejections at interview stages and it's often difficult to you know bounce back from that and keep going so not sure if you've got any advice it could be for someone specifically in HR or, or just generally young people out there that are listening um, my nut, if you're getting lots of rejections, I mean, the you know, obviously it's economically it's, it's a tougher time. So one, don't take it too personally. Um, if you've gone through, you know, a fair chunk of the process, ask for some feedback. You know, if it's just you've sent in your CV and you've got rejection, you're unlikely to. But if you've had a first or especially a second interview, you know, a, a reputable employer should be giving you some some constructive feedback. Um, and there was a third. What was the other thing I was going to say to you? Oh, it's gone. Um, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> It'll come back. No worries. no worries. So, you know, really getting that feedback and yeah, you're right. Not, not always employers can do that, but when they do and if they put effort into it, that can be that can make all the difference in the in the world, can't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah it's come back. So the, the oh, third one, it's come back. The third one was. <laughs> Try not to write the same application for every job, you know, um, think, you know, and, and be, you know, be be quite curious yourself and, you know, have a kind of conversation with maybe the recruiter in advance of even making the application or, you know, try and look at some of the things that the, the organisation is doing. Because, you know, if someone reached out to one of our recruiters and said, you know, what are the key skills you're looking for? Resilience would come up there. Um, you know, if they were applying to be a project manager, then obviously, the, the candidate would know they need to manage budgets and you know adapt your application for the organization and or the job that you're applying for you know it doesn't mean rewriting your cv and fundamentally rewriting your offer letter um, but you do need to you do need to make it look like you really want that job at that company and not just you know you've you've sent out 20 cvs and and cover letters to to you know 20 different organizations across different industries etc so i think you know when a when a, an organization can sense you really want this job you've made that kind of quite bespoke approach then they'll they'll be a little bit more wriggle room than a candidate that's clearly just you know printed off one of 20 yeah, because you, you see those horror stories on LinkedIn, like, oh, I, I applied to a thousand jobs and I didn't hear hear back from any anyone. And, and you think, actually, maybe that is the problem. Maybe it's too many yeah. applications and they're not specific enough. And because yeah. from what we we see in terms of candidates is the, the candidates that tend to get f- the furthest in the application processes are the ones that 
listen to podcasts like this one or that go to live events with employers, hear directly from employers. They pick up on a couple of things which helps them understand a little bit more about who the employer actually is rather than mm. just looking at a job description for half an hour or whatever it is. And then that leads to a much more informed application. And so I think mm -hmm. that's the, the starting point. You know, if you really want the job, you've got to show it by by turning up really at any of these sessions and doing yeah. your research, networking if you can and going above and beyond with with your application. So mm -hmm. brilliant. Yeah. And and I, I guess once you I'm curious as well, if someone is um about to start a career in HR, do you have any advice for them in terms of once I get into the business? Is there certain traits that you think are really important or some tactics that you've picked up that you think, you know, I wish I knew that at the beginning of my HR career? I mean, my HR career has changed so much than when I started out. It was obviously very different. Um, I was very, you know, kind of wet behind the ears, had this little checklist of all the things I wanted to complete because I was studying as well at the same time. I think, you know, people can be quite confused and say, I really like people, so I want to get into HR. But HR is actually quite a tough gig because most of the time, you know, you're dealing with the challenging um, situations. So it's not all fun. So actually, again, you know, resilience is one of the number one, you know, skills and, and competencies that we're looking for. Um, you know, there's a lot of structure. But, you know, don't be afraid to say I'm really in I'm interested in policies or I'm really interested in, you know, this area, etc. Because there's so much diversity within HR. It's the thing that drew, drew me in for sure. Um, you know, you're never bored if you're in HR. That's definitely the case. Um, but I think, you know, you need to be a curious person because essentially you will, you know, be juggling lots of balls and, and probably move from, you know, one theme of HR to another over over time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't exude more excitement about a, a career in HR to your candidates. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, that's incredible. This has been a really interesting conversation for me. I've really enjoyed it as well. You've been fantastic to talk to. So hopefully we can do this again at some point. Uh, for anyone listening, please do go and check out Oxford Farmers roles and the events that we're doing together, because I think it's a fantastic organisation. They're really focused on DNI and they've got some incredible opportunities. And many of you probably haven't thought about medical communications before, but it's a really, really exciting industry with um, yeah, some incredible opportunities. So I'll leave a link in the description to obviously our website. We'll be showcasing some of their junior and entry level roles but obviously check out their website as well for if you're mm -hmm. looking for more senior positions as well so Sharon again thanks so much for coming on because you know we really do rely on people like you to give up some time share your advice be really honest and uh, help us all get better so thanks so much for that brilliant thanks for inviting me I've enjoyed it too Toby